Uh, This morning's reading is taken from Acts 9, verses 1 to 19. It's Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Thank you, Nick. Folks, let's pray together. Lord, we, um, we want to thank you for this series and thank you, Lord, that you continue to grow us as spirit-filled people. And Lord, I pray this morning you would give us a deep hunger for your word and Lord, a deep thirst for your spirit. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, the Lord can surprise us in different ways. You guys, you've been surprised today. What a wonderful surprise. You don't have a close-up of my face or Mark's face on the screen. Isn't the Lord gracious? It's been a momentous week, hasn't it? You know, the old saying, a week is a long time in politics, has been particularly true this week. Um, 
But it's also, um, on a slightly lighter note, it's been a momentous week on the sporting front as well. I don't know if we can have the first slide up, please. And, um, you know, amazing cricket. Apps, if you're not a cricket supporter, I'm really sorry. You've missed something that's fantastic. Incredible. And the English rugby team won yesterday, as did the Welsh, as did the Scots, as did the Irish. So, you know, a momentous week, extraordinary week. And, um, and there's Wimbledon, of course. If we can have that slide up, please, Will. And as you see, as you see this image, what phrase comes to mind? You cannot be serious. And um, yeah, if you didn't watch tennis in the 80s, perhaps switching to the nice, that's John McEnroe, he's now a commentator. And he, I mean, he contested everything. And he had this stop phrase, you cannot be serious. And that phrase has come to my mind quite a number of times as I've been rereading the story of Saul's conversion and of Ananias' involvement. Because I think that was probably Ananias' first response when the Lord spoke to him in, in a vision. Lord, you cannot be serious. Are you really telling me this is what you're asking me to do? About 18 years ago, in, um, as part of my you know, quiet time devotions, I was reading through the early chapters of Acts. And I came to this chapter and... I was struck by how pivotal Ananias was in Paul's story. And I thought, it's so rare that we actually hear about Ananias in church. We hear a lot about Paul, but we hear relatively little about Ananias. And yet Ananias was not incidental. He was completely pivotal in this story. He was pivotal in Paul's acceptance within the Christian community. And he was pivotal in the taking of the gospel to the Gentiles. So who was Ananias? What do we know about Ananias? Well, actually, in a sense, we know relatively little. We, um, many scholars suggest he was a sandal maker. And there is some evidence for that. Paul refers back to him and um, his involvement in having his sight restored in um, Acts 22, a bit later in the Acts of the Apostles. What is clear is that Ananias was not outwardly a person of huge influence. He wasn't one of the makers and shakers of Damascus. He was a fairly ordinary person, like you and like me. But he was open to being an instrument in God's hands. He was open to responding to God's call, even though it came in an incredibly surprising way. And I think um, if Ananias was here today, he would probably want to say to us, listen to God's voice, obey his leading, even when your heart is crying out, Lord, you cannot be serious. And I want, to, I want us to look at, at three insights from this encounter. And then I want to lead us, leave us with a few questions as we go into the week. And the first insight is this, that Ananias recognized 
God's totally unexpected message. Ananias the Lord called, go to the house of Judas in Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus called Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So both Saul and both Ananias receive a vision. We're not told in what form the vision came to Ananias. We don't know. Was he resting at home? Was he working in his sandal shop? Was he at the marketplace when this vision came? In many respects, I really wish Luke had given us a little bit more information. But what's really important is that we know he recognized the Lord's voice. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep know my voice. And what was it within Ananias that helped him to recognize the Lord's voice? Well, I think there are a couple of ingredients. And I think the first is it seems as though Ananias had an inner availability, an availability of his heart. Do you remember that the Lord told Eli to tell Samuel to say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Have that inner availability, Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And it seems that Ananias had that. As I say, we don't know what he was doing. But the Lord longs for each of us to cultivate that. And he had an attentiveness as well. Attentiveness that recognized it was the Lord's voice. Henri Noren, I've mentioned this before, he describes our minds sometimes a bit like monkeys in a banana tree, running up and down, getting distracted by a whole number of things. Can anyone relate to that, I wonder? Thank you, Cliff. (laughs) I can really relate to that. And today, you know, we have phones that I think are a massive blessing but can be a huge distraction. You know, we check, has the next WhatsApp come in? When do I need to respond to it? Emails, Twitter. And we're kind of, in a sense, we are bombarded by all sorts of different voices, different forms of communication. How do we create an attentiveness to the Lord's voice within all of that? And I want us kind of be, to be thinking about that a, a little bit. Ananias recognized God's voice. And he also recognized God's timing. Go. Go now, Ananias. But it's interesting, and I think it's really healthy for us to reflect on, that Ananias tested. Because, as we know, horrendous things have been done in history in the name of God's voice. And God's voice will always lead to something that is life-giving, will bring hope and love. Might be a hard message to carry at times, but it will always be life-giving because that's the nature of our Lord. And Ananias tests this, and he says, Lord, but I've heard about this man. 
This man has done horrendous things to my sisters and brothers. Are you really sure, Lord? And God doesn't, you know, condemn him. God doesn't say, you know, Ananias, why, why are you asking that question? He just confirms his message. Go. I've chosen this man. He is going to be an instrument for me in taking the gospels to the Gentiles. And by the way, Ananias, he's going to have to suffer a lot. So Ananias tests the voice. And that's so important for us. And there will be times when God will call us to something that has a high level of risk or a high cost. And we need to test it. We need wise people who we know love us, who will seek God's heart with us, who will help us to test God's voice. Because God isn't maverick. There's a good purpose behind his whispers. It will bring life. It will bring life and um, flourishing to the kingdom. So Ananias recognized the Lord's voice. Secondly, Ananias responded with humble obedience. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? Humility, I think at times, can get a very dull and poor press. But just as we begin to think about the political events of the last week or indeed the last few months, I would imagine quite a number of us are thinking, amongst the qualities that we would hope for in our next prime minister are humility and integrity. There'll be other qualities that are needed, but humility and integrity are actually close cousins. Ananias had the humility to obey God's voice. And I wonder, what do you think Ananias was inwardly processing in his mind as, his, as he was walking down Straight Street, as he was nearing Saul's house? I bet he was wrestling in his mind a lot. I bet he was thinking, what are my sisters and brothers in Christ going to think of me? This guy has persecuted, he's killed many of my brothers and sisters. Is my life in danger as well? Have you had conversations, perhaps not as extreme as that, but when you feel as though you're responding to something the Lord's called you to do, and you're kind of thinking, but what if, Lord? But what if? But Ananias responds with this amazing, humble obedience willing to be an instrument. You know that uh, lovely old hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. I think sometimes in, we can, sometimes in church we can think, not my life, Lord, just let me be. <laughs> or Spirit of the Lord, fall fairly close to me, but not right on top of me right now. It would be a bit of an interruption. But actually I think God is looking for humble obedience in our spirits. And he knew he could trust Ananias with this incredibly important assignment. And, and a third reflection. And I, I, sorry, I just think, as Ananias walked down Straight Street, as he entered 
Saul's house, the house where he was staying, Judas's house, he didn't, he didn't have a clue the tiny part of God's canvas that he was a part of, did he? He didn't have a clue the extent to which God was going to use this man, Saul, to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And there are times when we need to accept we are tiny. We see in parts. And our Lord paints on a vast canvas. But our yes in response to his message can have repercussions beyond our wildest dreams. They really can for kingdom purposes because that's how the Lord works. And a third a third observation from this passage is that Ananias reached out a healing hand of welcome. I love the fact the first words he says to this persecutor, Brother Saul. Because it's not just Ananias who'd have been reflecting on, you know, um, what's going on at the moment. Lord, why have you called me to this? Think what Saul would have been doing over those last three days in his blindness. Think the thoughts he'd have been processing. Lord, how did I get it so wrong? I thought I, thought I was acting righteously, but I've wounded, I've wounded your kingdom's purposes. And then the first words he hears from Ananias, brother Saul. What a hand of welcome. What a hand of inclusion. When he would have felt, you know, how can I be accepted within the Christian community? I wonder, have you ever known that? Have you ever known a time when you felt really, I actually feel on on the margins here. And it might be because you're not sure of, of your place within the bigger picture. might be you feel as though things in the past exclude you. And someone has reminded you that you are accepted. That you're welcome in the kingdom. Brother Saul. I just love that expression. And then he reaches out. And he places his hands on Saul's eye. And God uses him to restore Saul's sight. God miraculously restores Saul's sight. But the healing also has a, has a you know, healing often happens at many different levels, doesn't it? Because just as Ananias has reached out, with a healing hand of welcome. So Paul is going to reach out across all sorts of barriers to carry the gospel. But it took Ananias' willingness to reach out in the first instance. And Ananias' willingness to also pray for the presence of the Spirit to fill Saul, have we got that still up? Yeah. He says, he has sent me that you may see again and you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because, Saul, God has given you an awesome calling. 
And you cannot do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Day after day after day. We need to constantly be refilled. That's always been God's intention. So three questions I want to ask us as we kind of um, go into this week and as we reflect on this extraordinary way in which God used Ananias and his willingness to be available. The first is this. Who has been an Ananias for you in your life? Have there been times when, as I said, you felt on the margins and someone has said, hey, you're part of this. Sister Nikki, Brother John, and they've just reached out a hand of welcome to you. Has there been someone? It's interesting. The name, actually, if we can have the next slide up, please, Will. The name Ananias means the Lord has dealt graciously with me. Isn't that lovely? Has there been someone who has graciously brought a word from the Lord to you? Who's listened to the Lord and hasn't just thrust it on you, but graciously brought it to you? And that has brought life and insight. Perhaps it's opened a new avenue for you in, in your walk with the Lord. So I was thinking about this. I was reminded of um, years ago, about 28, 29 years ago, when um, we were living in Bath. I was a curate at All Saints Western in Bath. And the interregnum had just started. The vicar had moved on um, to another church. And I was a young curate, but I was kind of in charge of the church with the church wardens. And... Um, we had a visiting American vineyard pastor for a weekend. And um, he asked, after he even says, could he pray for me? And I said, you bet, of course. Yeah, need all the prayer I can get, definitely. And he said, he said to me, I see a bridge. He said, it's quite a long span bridge. And I believe part of the ministry the Lord has for you is to be a bridge in the future. And I was just reminded of that because um, the Lord does sow words and pictures into our lives. And I think that has been and continues to be part of a ministry the Lord asks me to exercise. For instance, I'm, I'm chair of the House of Clergy in our diocese. Now, no one ever volunteers for that, I can promise you. <laughs> but part of what you have to do, you have to be a bridge across all church traditions and expressions. And, um, and that's, a, that's a stretching thing to do, but it's a very healthy thing to do. And as I was just thinking, there's quite a lot going on in different ways in the diocese at the moment. I was thinking, Lord, actually you spoke that word into my life 28 years ago. Who has been an Ananias to you and have you thanked them? Have you thanked them? Because that might be something the Lord says, hey, when you get home, thank them or write yourself a note so that you don't forget to thank them. So who's been ananized to you? Second question, do you have an inner availability? 
unwillingness to be an Ananias yourself? Will you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, not just when I'm being quiet, in, in my times of quiet with you, but speak, Lord, on the golf course. Speak, Lord, over a beer after I've been, after I've been sailing. Speak, Lord, during a, well, perhaps not during a bowls match, but after a bowls match. Whatever it is, may I have that inner availability, Lord? Because the Lord does speak now one way, now another, Job 33. And too often, we don't have an inner availability to pick up his whispers. Because when we do, they can bring such blessing, such blessing. It's not something we need to strive for. It's something the Lord wants us to grow naturally, a natural availability. It's interesting, we've just, um, over this weekend, we've just had my dear dad down, who is now 87. And his, his, he was at the first service. He's quite a bit more fragile now. Uh, he's not walking very easily because of an accident. And his eyesight has deteriorated enormously. So his registered part, partially sighted. And one of the things we were chatting to him about over a meal was given the fact that he's a bit less mobile now and his eyesight is a bit more reduced, um, does he think his hearing can become a bit more acute? I mean, bless him, his hearing isn't great, to be honest, as well. <laughs> but actually, we're talking about the fact, you know, his heart is he wants to hear the Lord more, even more at this stage. And, um, you know, whatever age we're at, until glory, the Lord will say, have that inner availability. Will you cultivate that? Because if the Lord knows that, he will entrust words and pictures to us. He will do that when he knows that we have that. And thirdly and finally, will you pray for Ananias? Sorry, it's spelt wrongly. That's my fault. Ananias in places of misunderstanding and deadlock. You know, we need Ananias in Ukraine with the Russian invasion. We need hundreds of Ananias in the Middle East. We need Ananias in areas like Taiwan at the moment, which is vulnerable to, to Chinese invasion. So we need Ananias in lots of different parts of the, of the globe. And we know we need Ananias in our own political makeup in our country at the moment. We need Ananias in our life groups as well. Will you pray the Lord raises up people like Ananias who can be bridges, who will carry a word of healing an incisive word that can lead to genuine peace. If we can just have the last slide up here, please, Will. Um, it's, this isn't light reading, but um, this is Justin Welby, our Arch, Archbishop of Canterbury's most recent book. And if you're looking for something that, I mean, it is quite weighty, um, but if you want to wrestle with the whole issue of reconciliation, I really do recommend this book. As, a, as, as something 
to um, if you want some meat in this area. So just as we come to a close, let's just be quiet. And if the band can kindly come up and just allow the Lord to seal in your heart what he's been wanting to say to you today. I think Ananias is an amazing unsung hero. He wasn't a great maker and shaker. But that's not how the kingdom of God always works. He loves to take our inner availability and our obedience. So Father, I pray that by your spirit, you will seal in our hearts and in our minds what you've been wanting to say to us. Bless your word. May it bear the fruit you intend for it. For Jesus' glory. Amen.